So a listener question, Daniel said, crystal ball, will we see the same returns the last 20 years have given us in the next 20 years? Now, I suppose to, to give you some time to think about that, we've got a massive housing shortage around the country and we're just not building enough uh, property at, at, at the rate that we need because, as you mentioned, with um, migration and people living longer, et cetera. However, we've got suburbs in Sydney and Melbourne that the median house price is three, four, five million dollars. Like, do we see them being worth eight to ten million dollars in the next ten to twenty years? Like, where's the happy medium? Yeah, I mean, no one knows what's what's going to happen two years from now, let alone twenty. To be honest, mm. so uh, long-term forecasts are notoriously uh, challenging uh, to be polite. But um, uh, let me have a go. So. But let me first of all just dispel a bit of a myth. So the last 20 years, yeah, we've generally seen average price growth growth across most cities. It's been around sort of five, five and a half percent per annum compounding, right? So that myth of you know property values doubling every 10 years, sure, it definitely happens in in some some precincts and regions, but across the board, it's it's kind of rare. Mm. And then you've also got the law of diminishing returns, right? So once you start to get really high numbers, to see them doubling every 10 years or 15 years, whatever you might think, um, it becomes a lot harder as well. So um, to go back to the question, again, actually, let me just put a bit more context here. The last 20 years, that takes us back to what, August of or September of 2003. So we're kind of coming into a period at the base where we'd been through a significant phase of growth back in the early 2000s. So if you went back 25 years, the annual rate of growth would be a lot higher because you include that period from 2000 to 2003 that was extraordinarily strong. But over a 20-year period, you're kind of cutting off that really strong growth phase. So um, that's probably why that the average growth rates are a little bit lower than what people might expect. So the next 20 years... Um, I think it'll be quite different, to be honest. So you're not going to have the same, well, I expect you won't have the same uh, um, consistency of falling interest rates, for starters. You know, mm. even though interest rates are back to where they were in 2012, at least on the cash rate, um, they're not going to get back to 0.1%, like what we saw through the pandemic. Um, they might get back to, say, a 10-year average or something like that. But we probably won't see that same, you know, ongoing drop in in uh, in interest rates. Household level, uh, household debt levels are also really high. So um, I think to see the same level of growth, we'd probably need to see debt levels coming down a bit before uh, we start to see households once again re-leveraging as well. I, I just think we'll, we'll see some impediments for uh, borrowing activity to, uh, to be as strong as what it was over the past 20 years, simply because lenders are really cautious around high debt to income ratios. Um, and generally, uh, you, you tend to 20% deposit as well has become a bit harder. Affordability is still quite stretched as well. I was just looking at our June data for uh, things like um, dwelling value to income ratios or how long it takes to save for a deposit. Markets like Sydney are still seeing a dwelling value to income ratio that's up at like nine times. And uh, to save a 20% a, a deposit, you're looking at about 12 years if you can save 15% of your income. So for all those reasons, I, I think the next 20 years will probably be probably um, not quite as strong as what we saw the last 20 years. And for property investors, it means you're going to have to become a lot smarter about where you're, you're, you're channeling your capital. You'll have to um, make more, much more strategic decisions rather than just riding a, a broader wave of capital gain would be my, my guess.
Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Talk to us about that, Tim. You, you mentioned that uh, investors need to be much more strategic in their thinking and, and not just buy property in the hope that it'll double in value every 10 to 12 years. Uh, what, what do you mean by that? Do you mean think about your own personal situation more? Do you think about the yields that are coming? Do you look at vacancy rates? Uh, do we look at your own personal debt levels or all of the above? Yeah, all of the above, and we, we talked a little bit about this earlier in the podcast. That uh, you know, trying to maximise your capital growth generally comes down to location, looking for areas that um, yeah maybe undervalued, but but also areas that are really well serviced by either existing amenity or planned amenity. Um, you know, planned amenity is always a little bit speculative, but um, can can be a really strong driver of growth. Not just amenity, but also say transport infrastructure is another good example of that. So I think trying to find areas that are going to be always in high demand and maybe have some uh, inherent supply constraints would generally be where you'd, you'd be trying to strategically locate for uh, a strong investment return. There's always going to be investors that look for, uh, say, yield rather than than capital growth. It seems most Australian investors are very aligned with maximising their opportunities for for long-term capital gains, which is fair enough. But I think also for yield-driven investors, there may be some opportunities around, say, the medium to high-density sector. That's always been higher yielding, at least on gross yields. And it does seem we're moving into this period where uh, supply in the medium to high-density sector is going to be quite constrained. Uh, so potentially that's a, a short to medium term um, opportunity is, is trying to get into the marketplace at a time when we know there's going to be this burgeoning undersupply as well. Yeah, well, that's, um, it leads me to this question from Melanie. She says the future of price value for middle ring townhouses, will they go up as people are priced out of entry level homes? And, and, and before you answer that, like we get so many inquiries from people in Sydney and Melbourne saying, well, how do I afford a house in the area or, or the suburb that I like um, if I'm growing a family? I, I need three bedrooms. Like, how, I can't just go and buy a one-bedroom apartment in that uh, local region. Yeah, I think it's logical that we will see more demand being deflected towards that medium density sector. Uh, you know, townhomes are becoming quite scarce as well. It's uh, if you look at say dwelling approvals for that magical missing middle, as a lot of people describe it as. Uh, they're generally very low. We're not seeing developers really targeting or focusing on this space, probably because. You don't get as much yield as a developer. Um, you know, you're you're probably trying to maximise the number of dwellings you can put on a on a lot. There's quite often also town planning constraints that um, uh, prevent that type of dwelling going into an established area as well. But absolutely, John, I agree. More and more people simply aren't going to be able to buy a detached home in a in a in a location that they'd like to live or invest in. They can probably afford one if you buy out on the outer fringes where we know supply can be quite uh, high and, and transport times and amenity can be um, long and, and, and low. So, yeah, I think uh, if you can find townhomes that, uh, as you say, have um, a bit of a best of both worlds, give you a bit more space, they might have a courtyard, three bedrooms, 
um, and that are well located, then yeah, I think there'll probably be some good opportunities there. And that affordability situation simply isn't getting any better. And uh, mm. again, with this, this burgeoning undersupply and high population growth, you'd have to think that affordability will probably even become more stretched. Yeah. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. <laughs> 